This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Renkus Hines. Quality audio is crucial to create a productive and engaging learning environment for students. And professors should be able to focus on teaching, not troubleshooting complex technology. At Rankus Hines, their hassle-free loudspeakers consistently deliver crystal clear audio to every corner of the classroom, ensuring every student hears every word. Elevate classroom engagement and learning outcomes with a Rankus Hines sound solution. Learn more at RankusHines.com. Okay, hello, and welcome to another episode of Innovations in Education, eCampus News' podcast on the latest and greatest in higher ed tech this month. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. Community colleges play a pivotal role in providing accessible and quality education to a diverse range of students. However, as many of us are aware, the challenges faced by these students can differ significantly from those at traditional four-year institutions. From juggling work and family responsibilities to navigating financial constraints, community college students often find themselves in unique situations that demand equally unique solutions. In this episode, we're gonna unravel the intricacies of the support landscape for community college students with Alex Leader. Alex serves as the Chief Impact Officer to Watermark, a software platform designed for higher education institutions to help them collect and use data to gain insights into how institutions and programs can be improved to support student success. Alex shares his insights drawn from working closely with educators, administrators, and students themselves, shedding light on strategies that foster engagement, retention, and overall success. Have a listen. We're okay, Alex. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me. And I know that this conversation is one that I've had over the last few months and, and few years, actually, as long with everything else, kind of sick of talking about it, but the pandemic still kind of has a, you know, not a hold over us, right? But I mean, it's still, we're just kind of emerging from this period that there's been just a lot of uh, monumental shifts, especially when you talk about higher education. Thankfully, the conversations that I was having in the spring of 2020 through 2022 were desperate. Actual conversations about what the future of higher education was going to look like, whether schools are going to be closing all over the place. But one of those things was a discussion of how this might be a moment for community colleges to shine and to come forward. I'm not quite sure if that has played out as the prognosis were. Let's start off to talk a little bit about your experiences and specifically what the work that Watermark does in conjunction with and for uh, community colleges. Certainly. And maybe where I'll start is even just speaking to where you started with the pandemic and potentially an opportunity that exists for higher education coming out of the pandemic. But I do believe that there is opportunity with what we saw with the pandemic, obviously, whether it was four-year or two-year institutions, uh, was that they had to change quickly. They had to figure out what was working, figure out some things that maybe wouldn't work in this new environment or new normal, if you will, and ultimately double down on those those activities to really support students and to go through, really inspect themselves and say, can we continuously improve? Can we 
shorten our continuous improvements, like rapidly change while continuing to support both students and then obviously ensuring institutional processes are refined in such a way to, to support those students as well. So I think that COVID, while yes, it was certainly terrible, it also provided some glimpses into how quickly can we change in higher education, which really leads into your follow-up question around Watermark, what we do here at Watermark Insights. And so really our goal is to help both on the institutional effectiveness side, as well as student success side of higher education. And then those have traditionally been two separate disciplines, if you will, within higher education, but we really believe they're one and the same. So you have to be able to rapidly innovate and rapidly ensure that you're producing graduates that are matching the opportunities that exist within the job market and ensure that your curriculum drives that type of expertise for students. You obviously have to be accredited to ensure that the degrees and certificates being offered are, are worth something. And then you also have to support the learner on their journey. And that's really where the student success side comes in. And so we really had a set of products, uh, six products specifically within our product suite that allows us to really focus on those two areas to ensure that the institution becomes high performing while supporting students and ensuring that they have positive outcomes. So you mentioned the learner. Can you talk about the distinctions between the learner, the student who may be in a community college environment versus what you would think of as a traditional four-year liberal arts student? Certainly. So maybe we start on the uh, the four-year liberal arts side. That oftentimes, and since we're kind of out of, if you will, the pandemic, oftentimes those are individuals that have parents who went to college. They can lean on the support systems that they have even within their family, with alumni that they're aware of. They're living on campus. And really, for many of those students, their focus is studying. It is the education that they're there to achieve, especially if they're on campus. If we compare and contrast, or maybe we contrast that with two-year two-year students, is that while there are a few, there are some two-year technical and community colleges that have on-campus housing, but for the majority of them, it's a commuter scenario where students are, are living at home. They're trying to balance having children at home, having to maintain a job, oftentimes paying for their own schooling. And so it's a different type of student with different needs. And really the community college system here in the United States was built to handle those needs. So when it comes to managing those folks or helping those folks in, in terms of automating the, the curriculum and managing the curriculum, are there distinctions there for, for the administrator? Yeah, there certainly are. And I mean, it, it really depends on what the student is attending the institution for. Yeah, so as I mentioned, within the two-year space, you may have some that are after a two-year degree, an associate's degree, where their positive outcome, if you will, is not only earning that degree, but also transferring to a four-year. So that's a positive outcome for that student is, is getting that two-year degree and doing and performing the transfer so that they can save money along the way as well. Secondly, two-year schools, technical schools are often offering certificates, right? So one-year programs, when you think about uh, welding, for example or other trades like that, those two-year institutions are, are really important at providing those type of opportunities for students in those one-year programs. Well, you also have a whole set of other type of students that are your adult learners, um, your continuing education. Uh, more recently, in fact, you have a tremendous percentage. In some cases, nearly 50% of two-year enrollment might be encompassed by dual enrolled students. So for high schoolers taking college courses. And so the, the structure of a two-year institution 
you have many different types of students with many different types of objectives in terms of what they want to accomplish that may differ from a four-year institution. So it almost seems like the need for flexibility is greater when you're looking at the community college sort of structure because you have so many different types of learners coming in and out. Yeah, I would say that that's true. The kind of city on a hill vision for education generally is to have a specific and unique path that that learner can follow that satisfies their unique needs. So if we, of course, education has to be to some degree mass produced, right? In order to provide scale, but in a perfect world, your education path and everything that wraps around your education is different than what wraps around mine. And we should be able to accomplish our unique paths within the structure of higher education. Just to add, I think quite frankly, sure. is really what equity is about, right? And so we're, we're chasing that as a community uh, and as higher education. Yeah. Uh, another pandemic effect on education as a whole that I found in conversations is the idea that learners, if they're going to succeed, first need to feel safe. The idea of mental health awareness, social emotional learning, those sort of concepts maybe before the pandemic were maybe kind of a nice, crunchy, esoteric theory. March of 2020 comes around and uh, we all suffered a group trauma and needed to have the support systems put into place by not only our employers, but our schools. Can you talk a little bit about how maybe that has changed the way you provide your services as well and, and, and the needs of learners that way? Certainly. Maybe where I'll start is that we work with many two-year as well as four-year institutions with our student success and engagement platform. It's a software that helps success coaches and advisors and other support personnel be able to prioritize the students whom they're reaching out to uh, but also be able to ensure that they're engaging the right students at the right time to really make a difference. Why I mention all of that is we've done some really great research in the state of North Carolina specifically that happens to kind of run parallel and even before and after the COVID pandemic. And so really our, the first research study that I'll mention is one where we, along with 10 institutions in that state, 10 two-year institutions, wanted to understand whether this concept of success coaching, you may have heard of them as navigators, for example, but success coaches within higher ed. So if you assign a success coach to every incoming student, and even if you think about incoming, even the point at which they submit an application, to start to engage that individual before they ever set foot on campus and start to be able to understand who they are and what their unique needs are and what clubs and organizations and affiliations you can help match with that student so that they do feel that sense of belonging. Because when things get hard, i.e. COVID, you have to have those relationships built in order to help a student through whatever challenge it is, whether it's COVID, whether it's simply that they don't have transportation or the child childcare resource offered by the community. We need that single point of trust, just like a doctor for, for you and I. Right? We don't want our doctors changing all of the time and us having to re-explain what we've already told the doctor about ourselves. But the point of a success coach is exactly the same. So it's someone I can confide in, I can build a relationship with. They can connect, connect me with on-campus and off-campus services, ultimately to help me build that unique journey that I spoke about earlier. And so whether that's, like I said, COVID, whether it's a job loss, whether it's their goals change, all of those are 
pieces of the great work that success coaches and academic advisors help students through kind of this unknown that's ahead of them in some cases. Can you walk me through a day-to-day use case and kind of an example of how that success coach would work? Certainly, and I'll go to a very specific example, but uh, when we think about student support, we think about success coaches, academic advisors. According to the research, nearly 50% of two-year institutions, they assign over 300 students to their academic advisors. And we've seen cases, albeit rare, where there's even been 1,500 students assigned to a single academic advisor. Now, if we compare that with a success coach, a success coach's caseload is much smaller due to the type of work that they're doing. They're, they're building those deep relationships with students. They're connecting them to resources both on and off campus. And so often those caseloads are much, much smaller than an academic advisor's caseload. But uh, regardless, it's always difficult to be able to pull together data from all of the other systems that exist across campus and to be able to start to formulate and understand where I should spend my time as a success professional. And so within our student success and engagement platform here at Watermark, that's exactly what it does. It does that heavy lifting, connects this information system, the learning management system, the other systems that exist on campus, pulls that data together, helps me prioritize how to engage my students, and then gives me a set of tools within the platform itself to engage the students that are on my caseload. And so you can imagine a student that maybe misses a a class last night. Well, I'll know about it this morning so that I can take and perform that engagement immediately before having that student miss two or three or four classes. And there's many examples of, of those type of trends where now I can engage before that problem becomes a crisis for the student. And so that's a very specific example. But again, let the technology do the heavy lifting because Regardless if I'm a success coach or an academic advisor or another type of support professional, what I love to do is to have those human-to-human interactions and ultimately create positive outcomes for students. How is that presented? Like as as a dashboard? 1,500 students. Wow. Yeah. So within our product, you can go to a particular screen. It has your entire caseload on the left-hand side. Uh, We're actually using some predictive modeling as well to determine a student's likelihood to have success in each of their enrollments in each course, as well as their likelihood to return the next term. So we call that persistence. And so that can help prioritize my outreach based upon their likelihood to be successful in these scenarios, coupled with all of this external data that's also coming into the platform. So it's very easy. It's stoplight, if you will, red, yellow, green. And uh, I can easily focus in on the students that need my help. It almost sounds, I don't want to use this acronym either, but it's very reminiscent of what we would think about when we talk about artificial intelligence and yes, AI, it is. AI being that acronym that we can't escape, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, I'm not sure how far down the AI thread you want to go, but at the end of the day, it's making sure that we're using the right tools, the right types of AI to improve these interactions, these engagements that can happen. And so if AI can help that, then certainly it has use. And I think higher ed has warmed up to that, especially in the last eight months since ChatGPT came out. Yeah. Um, but we're seeing definitely a shift and also some hope within higher ed that AI can help, again, build these relationships without us having to do all of the work that exists in our kind of day-to-day front work, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, another catchphrase from the education space is personalized learning, right? And 
sounds what you're talking about and having it be more than a concept, but it's an actual application. Yeah, we're actively, of course, exploring AI within our tooling as well. But again, with that view that it has to improve the interactions, improve the engagement, it has to be done the right way for it to be effective. Right. And so are folks living on the watermark system or is it, is it more of a, of a connection to their other pre-existing platform? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so if I'm an academic advisor or a success coach, I'm, I'm living within our student success and engagement platform. Uh, and then our platform, the watermark platform that I'm describing, it then pulls in the data from the other platforms that I would traditionally, it, without a watermark platform, would have to check five or six places and try to build that mental model of which students uh, I should be working with. We let the tooling do that from Watermark, and then it just presents to me, hey, here's where you should focus. Yeah, let's ask about the user user behavior and maybe how that has changed. I know, you know, covering both K-12 and higher ed, and you know, there's BP before the pandemic and now AP after the pandemic. There was a lot of faculty resistance. If you use the word data, it could scare folks. There was a lot of talk that these sort of technologies would ultimately replace either professionals uh, in, the, in the administrative side or in, in the instructional side. Have you seen a change over the past few years in, in that resistance? Or you know, kind of give, give me the state of play of where you see that. Do you still have to make the argument for your solutions? Uh, great question again. And I mean, the long and short of it, I think my short answer would be is that Higher education has certainly made shifts since COVID has happened. And I just mentioned and just talked about ChatGPT and OpenAI coming to, uh, to fruition in November. I think even since then, and there's research to prove it from some other known research groups within higher ed, that the view has definitely changed. I've been at conference in, conferences here in the last couple of months where the talk isn't about, is AI applicable? Now it is, how can we use AI? to improve the work and the efforts that, that we're doing as an institution, ultimately to support our students. So I think we're in this period where certainly there's some early-ish adopters that are using ChatGPT to, to do some writing for them. But I think where AI is ultimately going to end up, it's again, how do we use it to maximize our time so that we can build these relationships that only humans can do? So I speak yeah. a lot about AI, which is artificial intelligence. I speak a lot about HR, human intelligence. And I think AI is here to support the HI, in my view, and in Watermark's view, so that that human intelligence and, again, the relationships can be created that are so necessary to support students. Well, talk about how, you know, this is a kind of a constant evolution, right, of the technology and, and of the, the user experience. I'll put you on the, the spot here a little bit and, and looking forward two or three years as things continue to evolve. All things being equal, we're, we're out of the pandemic and another uh, global crises uh, will interrupt us. Uh, where, where do you see your work, your technologies, and specifically within the community college environment, where, you, where what are your hopes to see it anyway? Another great question. And I think uh, I, I opened a little bit talking about institutional effectiveness and student success, traditionally being separate disciplines. Really, it's our, like I said, our belief at Watermark that those are symbiotic, meaning that you need both, right? You need to be able to be a high-performing institution, especially when you think about two-year institutions, being able to match curriculum, develop programs, ensure that learners are receiving the knowledge that they need in two years, get the job that they, they really want, and make sure that the demand of that job is there. 
And then of course, supporting the learner along the way. And so as we look forward two, three years, I see kind of the city on a hill view is being a single set of solutions that really supports the learner from the point in which they first have contact with the institution, maybe they attend a job fair, whatever the case may be, all the way through and supported all the way through the student life cycle, including their match with an employer. And so specifically in the two-year space, I see that, that spectrum, that life cycle, and the support of that life cycle being critical to the future of two-year institutions. Well, it's fascinating stuff, Alex. Uh, you know, the idea of this kind of holistic view of the learner as opposed to just the you know, w- what their grade point average is or what that attendance number really means and whether it's uh, just whether they're doing their work or there's something underneath un- underlying and you know, addressing it uh, really does seem to be you know a positive advancement. So I appreciate your insights into this and, and your time discussing it and uh, good luck going forward. Thank you, Kevin. And that's a wrap for this month's edition of Innovations in Education. I hope you enjoyed it and subscribe for future episodes. This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Renkus Hines. Quality audio is crucial to create a productive and engaging learning environment for students. And professors should be able to focus on teaching, not troubleshooting complex technology. At Rankus Hines, their hassle-free loudspeakers consistently deliver crystal clear audio to every corner of the classroom, ensuring every student hears every word. Elevate classroom engagement and learning outcomes with a Rankus Hines sound solution. Learn more at rankushines.com.